Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined by my friend, I like to call you my friend. Hopefully, uh, I talk to you on Twitter a lot, so you kind of, yeah. Anyway, so we'll I'm, allow it. <laughs> I'm talking today to uh, Mile High Huddles, Nick Kendall. Uh, if you guys do not follow Nick on Twitter, go do it. He is at Nick Kendall MHH. He talks about the Broncos, talks about the draft. Pretty damn smart. So go follow him. Um, yeah. I will admit that when you and I first kind of agreed to come on and do this, I was fairly positive the Broncos were going to lose to the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think a lot of most people in Broncos country did. Um, yeah. In my defense, um, that said, I was also very critical about it. At one point, I definitely recommended fans go clean out their gutters uh, because it was probably going to be better than watching the game. Um, so if you missed the game because you had to clean out your gutters, please message me. Let me know. I apologize. I will try to make it up to you. Um, but yeah, the Broncos won uh, and one handedly. Yeah. It, Any given Sunday, right? That's yeah. uh, that's the beauty of football. Um, you never know who's going to be the team that uh, comes out on top on Sundays, especially. And uh, actually, my Saturday show that I do, the Maha Insiders, um, had a little bit of back and forth with my co-host Luke Patterson on that one saying, you know, he said essentially the same sentiment as you. Um, I'm like, you know, Broncos go out there and execute. They protect the football. Uh, Dak Prescott coming off an injury. Anything can happen. Yeah. But if you're already writing it off, you know, that's that's fine for the fans. You know, I'm not going to tell you how to fan, but that team, they're going to go out there and we're going to find out a lot about the 
leadership and belief they have in that room if they can rally and uh, handle the adversity. You know, losing, not looking so good. Obviously, they're coming off the win against watching football team, but the uh, the trade of Von Miller too. So, any given Sunday, if you protect the football, play good defense, and anything can happen. Um, most of the time, it also has to do with a good special teams play. That didn't happen, but um, you know, they ended up winning handily and uh, they got some momentum now. So it's it's fun. We're gonna have some meaningful football in the second half of the season for the first time since legitimately since 2016. So uh, I'm happy about that. And so you kind of touched on the special teams. I want to just touch on that. The Broncos got a huge break there. Uh, And, and I want to mention this only because not to continue to beat up on Tom McMahon, because I, I do it basically every week, but the Broncos special teams have been abysmal. Like, almost the entirety of the season. They did get a block on uh, in Washington against Washington, uh, mm-hmm. but they've actually, they had a partial block in the jets game. They had the block that ended up turning into a first down last week against Dallas. And the Browns actually were very, very close to yeah. also getting a blocked punt on top of that. They've had issues with their coverage units basically all season. And they had a lot of stupid penalties. So, mm-hmm. That is something kind of coming out of Dallas, um, not to be, you know, the rain on parade guy, but that is something that's going to continue to be a concern going forward. That yeah. said, I thought a lot of really great stuff happened in the Dallas game. Uh, more than I expected. And and I want to mention this too. The Broncos did capitalize on a couple of things that went against Dallas. Firstly, Dak Prescott was probably a little rusty coming off of injury. Yeah, Totally. I mean, he, there was plenty of games plays out there that he left on the field. His accuracy was a little bit off, but uh, I mean, also credit to the Broncos pass rushers for getting after him. Um, They never made him feel comfortable and credit to the Broncos offense. I know it's cliche, but complimentary football is a thing. And the Broncos had, what was it? 41 minutes of possession out of 60 available. It's really hard for a quarterback to get into any sort of groove when they're off their spot constantly. And you only have so many reps to get in that rhythm and you're cold in between them. So, uh, you know, Dak's not going to play that bad again, probably the rest of the season. Maybe we got a little bit lucky. We, the Broncos, you know, whatever you want to say, we, them fine. Um, But they, they played complimentary football and uh, you know, they took advantage of it. And when you do that, this was the formula. This is what, I don't know. I mean, how much you've been preaching it, but I've been preaching it all season. You know, Dak Prescott, let him be the Rajon Rondo of this team. You know, dictate, get in the right run checks, power run game, uh, and good defense. You can win a lot of football games that way. It's not flashy. Everybody wants to scream elite quarterback, but not everybody has an elite quarterback. You got to find ways to win football games. If you don't have that guy, this is the formula. Let's see if they can replicate it now. And the one other part to that that I, and again, you touched on this a little bit that I think also helped the Broncos. And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Broncos performance because it it did. It surprised me. Um, And I was really encouraged by it. But the other thing that did really help the Broncos in that game is the fact that Tyron Smith was out. And because of it, Terrence Steele flipped from the right tackle spot where he has been very, very good all year Mm -hmm. uh, to left tackle. And he struggled mightily. And yeah. then Leo Collins, after a substance abuse suspension, came in. That was his first start. And mm-hmm. so the Broncos, believe it or not, dear listener, the Broncos actually had the better tackle tandem in that game, even with Calvin Anderson on the left side and then Bobby Massey giving way to Cameron Fleming on the right because Terrence Steele looked bad, just straight up bad. Yeah. And Jonathan Cooper yeah. ate his lunch. Um, yep. So, you know, kudos to the seventh-round rookie, for making the most of it. And, and I've gone back now and I've watched his games. I am very impressed with Jonathan Cooper. I've been kind of like, I do this and I know you, you probably have, you know, you and I have gone back and forth enough that you know that I'm like this. 
when a rookie has like one good game, I'm always kind of the pump the brakes guy because I think fans tend to see one good game and all of a sudden we we throw all these expectations on a guy, no matter yeah. where he was drafted, no matter you know what happened up until that point. Uh, I remember Isaac Yadam, that was a thing at one point. Uh, Devontae Harris, that was a thing at one point. And again, I'm talking corners, but we do this kind of every every time. And I get it, it's fandom. But I was kind of nervous about Jonathan Cooper just because he had a good good game against a beat-up Jedrick Wills. And then Washington's tackle situation is, it's okay. Um, It's better mm-hmm. than I think you most fans realize, but it's not elite. And Taylor Hineke is not a world beater. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm, after three games, I am definitely impressed with Jonathan Cooper. I'm excited to kind of see where he goes from here. Um, His hands are very good. The other thing that really stands out to me about him is because like physically in terms of like physical talent, he's not going to like blow you away. I think he's at a, I think he's an above average in a lot of like the traits that you look for, but he's not, he's not Bob Miller in terms of his burst. He's not elite strength. Um, That said, his hands are really good and he plays under control. And and I mentioned that on Twitter uh, last night. So two days ago for listeners, but what he does is like, he'll set up his move. And then he'll, he knows how to go from there to set up a counter or he'll play off of what the opponent's doing to continue to keep himself alive. And it, it's really impressive because you don't expect that from a rookie. Yeah, no, you, you're definitely right there. Uh, credit to Ohio State. I mean, they've been incredible with developing pass rushers um, over the last, you know, five, six years. Bosa is young. Cooper obviously doesn't come with the pomp and circumstance of those guys. Uh, but, he, I mean, he was a very talented guy. I remember watching him at the senior bowl and uh, just killing some guys out there, him and Browning both at that edge rush. I think Cooper wore 11 at Ohio state for some reason that stuck in my head. Um, so yeah, very, very good. You do mention the hands uh, being probably his best trait and just the, be able, yeah. the ability to string together pass rush moves um, for that. That's one reason where I'm very happy about what he is right now. You know, you got him in the seventh round because the heart condition, you do have to wonder uh, you know, where he's going from here, right? Like it, because he's not this raw player who's just winning based on size or athleticism. It's more of this advanced technique with his hands. Uh, is he going to like, you know, linearly progress every single season in the league and get better and better and better? Probably not. Um, given how he's winning right now, you know, he's going to be, he's much better than you'd expect for a rookie like this, but it's not like, you know, he's winning on these traits, uh, where these other pass rushers like a Odafe Owe, right? He's just winning yeah. purely athleticism right now, and he's going to get that much better as he gets be- uh, more refined in the league. Uh, but uh, he's amazing right now. I'm really excited to see him. And I talked about it this morning on a Falcons show because I do that with one of my co-hosts, uh, Scott Kennedy, a big Falcons fan. Um, watching Terrence Steele get whipped by Jonathan Cooper really gave me flashbacks to that Cowboys-Falcons game three years ago now, two years ago go now where Ter- Tyron Smith was out. Chaz green came in and Hawkeye legend, Adrian Claiborne had six sacks in that one game. Right. So it's like, okay, well Cooper had an amazing game, but we need to look at the circumstances of this. And I'm very much a pump the brakes guy too, because simply just because we know that one game can be an anomaly, you know, Mike white out there 400 yards in one game. That's, that's not really replicatable. We, we have a lot of data to say that let's gather more uh, games under his belt to really understand who this player is going to be. But Cooper looks like he belongs. Yeah. Um, I'm more excited about him and what he can do than what I've seen mostly from Malik Reed even. Yes. So uh, I'm excited about it. I don't think that, you know, do I feel great about Jonathan Cooper and Bradley Chubb for 2022? You know, maybe I still want to go for an edge rusher early in the draft because it's a valuable position, but you know, that, that kind of is a, now we can pump that kind of conversation for later. Now that the Broncos are back in the, uh, back in the playoff hunt. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Reed because I do think in, uh, in today Fangio did say that the Broncos are hoping that Bradley Chubb will be available after the buy. Um, I know he said it's a vague hope, 
So it may very well be longer. Um, bone spurs, you know, the, who knows? Um, Surgery. Yeah. But uh, if Bradley Chubb is back and back to 100%, if Cooper continues to play as he did, I mentioned it yesterday, but if Cooper continues to look like he did, I think he should start over Malik Reed. Um, not because I hate Malik. Again, I like him a lot. He's one of my favorite players. But Malik Reed has been pretty bad against the run, just straight up. Um, noticeably, like especially the Browns game, but it's been an all-year thing. Um, early in the year when it was Von Miller and Malik Reed, if you looked at the charting numbers through the first six weeks of the season, the Broncos off of left end, so the, the side that Reed was on because Vaughn's on the other side, they were one of the worst four or five teams in the league by adjusted line yards rushing at left end. And a big part of that was the fact that it was Patrick Sertan at one, at the corner spot, Malik Reed at that edge spot. And again, not trying to hate on these two, but Malik Reed is a little bit undersized. And unlike Vaughn, who has played undersized, Reed doesn't necessarily have the burst to like really make up for the lack of play strength that comes with that. And so there's times where he'll go to set up and he can get overwhelmed. And then there's times where he'll be playing gap and a half and he'll make the wrong call and he can't get off. And all of a sudden he's stuck. Uh, and then the other thing is, and I'm not, I, I don't care about cornerback tackling. I know, but watching Patrick Sertan, when I've gone back over Cooper's games, I think we can put to bed this idea that Fangio corners have to tackle because Patrick Sertan as a run defender is below average. He's a very good cover player, but he's not, at least so far, he has not impressed me as a run defender. Not trying to blast him, but it's just legitimately, if Reed's playing, I do hope that the Broncos don't put them together on the same side because that's an issue. Yeah, you almost have to wonder if Malik Reed would be better in a 4-3 scheme as a Sam that can then reduce down to the line of scrimmage in uh, packages because he looks really comfortable in space. Um, obviously, he's not going to confuse anybody for Luke Keekley as an off-ball linebacker in coverage, but for a 3-4 edge, uh, he's pretty good in when you ask him to drop back. So um, maybe something to think about for the future of him, maybe get his agent on the phone, uh, but he's fine. Um, I think this is a game specifically talking the Eagles too, where yeah. having Reed um, out there, he can get up to the passer probably – more consistently than Cooper and definitely Weatherly, but you're going to have so much quarterback uh, in the back pocket by himself, you know, empty sets, uh, counters, quarterback power, a lot of jet sweep kind of motion there, the screens also. So that kind of stuff makes me think that, you know, you want read back in this game coming off the hip, hip injury because you want to have the depth there. But if I'm schematically looking at this, I'd probably be starting Cooper and Weatherly over, over read out of the gate. And you can play it off as, you know, the hip injury inching him back or whatever, but just talking about, um, how much they're going to try to attack the edge and make that edge have to commit to a lane and then have the quarterback or the running back or whoever's getting the ball there, pick the other side. Um, it concerns me with Reed. Cause I, I think that I would go right at him if I was the Eagles. I would too. I'd have him circled and I would try and I'd try and go after him. Um, and the other thing is, and, and you alluded to this, the Eagles in the last couple of weeks have become very, very run heavy. They run a ton of inside zone. Like I, I check out these charting graphs every, every week, you know, to kind of keep up with what the opponents are going to do. The Eagles have the most inside zone of any opponent I've seen so far for the Broncos this mm -hmm. year. They run it almost like almost more than every other concept combined. It's pretty, it's pretty close. Uh, inside zone is also their best rushing concept, which makes sense. Um, they're pretty good at trap everything else that they run. Like they run a little bit outside zone. They run a little bit of gap, a little bit of power, stuff like that. It's okay. Um, but mm -hmm. their inside zone's quite good. Um, their offensive line, you wouldn't guess it because like you look at the names and they've had a lot of injuries, 
but they actually do have a pretty decent offensive line. The tackles did have issues against the Raiders, but the Raiders edge group is quite good. Um, yeah. Like we for all. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, but I do think that the Broncos will need to be able to stop the run this week. It's going to be one of those games that will really give us an idea of what Kenny Young and Baron Browning can do together. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the last two weeks they've looked much improved over what we had since Alexander Johnson was out, but this is kind of the first opponent since the Browns game that has an offensive line that can do it and also is going to want to do it. Um, Dallas looked like they would, but then they had the injury to Zeke, the tackle situation that we mentioned, and then Dak being kind of off also makes it easier to commit to stop the run because Dak's not punishing you for it. This mm-hmm. is going to be a game where that's going to be tested a little bit. And for all the limitations, and Jalen Hurts has some limitations, he's not – like this isn't Drew Locke. Like I know I know last year at one point I, w- I joked about this and people got mad. But I joked last year that Jalen Hurts was going to be better than Drew Locke. Last year, that was, they were about the same. They were playing around the same level. Um, Hurts was a better runner. Um, yeah. But Hurts has definitely improved since then. Um, I mm-hmm. haven't watched a ton of them yet. I'm still working through the All-22. What I've seen, like, about average arm talent. Um, he's yeah. not necessarily great in that regard. But his accuracy is it's okay. Probably hovering around mm-hmm. league average. Um, but he's willing to put it in tight windows. He's willing to give his guys a chance. The, the Eagles do a really good job of mixing in RPOs. So like like you mentioned, Reed and the edge rushers are going to be tested in that as well as the nickel. And that's kind of a concern because of the Broncos injuries. Mm-hmm. Just because, and again, as we are having this chat, dear listener, we have the Wednesday practice report. And as of now, the Broncos have six starters that are did not practice today. Uh, the big ones are Tim Patrick, Alberto, Patrick Sertan, and... Patrick Sertan, there's been kind of conflicting reports. When he first got hurt and everything first came out, it sounded like he was not going to play. And then KOA's Benjamin Albright said that it sounds like he might. Um, The fact that the Broncos cut Duke Dawson kind of suggests that might happen. Mm -hmm. But we don't know yet. Um, But then Shelby Harris missed today with uh, an illness that's not COVID. Malik Reed, as you mentioned, with the hip. Caden Stearns and then McTelvin Ajim are all DNPs. Um. I will admit I'm definitely a little concerned about the secondary, not necessarily because I think Hertz is a world leader, but just because the Broncos are kind of like down to shoestring and duct tape in the secondary. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a concern. I will say that it's nice to have Kyle Fuller um, showing at least any life there from that nickel spot, and he does bring some size uh, to that position and technicality, I guess, with his tackling. He's not a punisher by any means, but uh, he can be fine there. And also the uh, three safety looks that you were able to see this last week. Maybe you can mix some of those in to give you some options. You know, Caden Stern playing box, Caden Stern almost playing like a nickel position. Um, I'm guessing you're going to see more nickel and linebackers in there. will be really interesting to see what Fangio does because we have not seen a team like this play. It's almost like the old school. Uh, I mean, it really is like old school Alabama or Ohio State with Urban Meyer, you know, running those JT Barrett quarterback power kind of things going on there. Um, so it'll be interesting them. It's very simple football, but it's hard to beat because it's all about box numbers dictating what you do and they'll run empty sets and then they'll run quarterback power. And it's like, well, we only have one linebacker in there. And uh, if he, if a, a player in the, let's say, say a guard reaches that linebacker, uh Oh, like yeah. now it's, now we're going to be in trouble. So um, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what Fangio does to counteract that. Uh, I'm not super concerned about the Eagles pass game as far as being dynamic, um, I don't think that Hertz has shown the ability to hit those tough throws that you have to sometimes hit on the boundary uh, to beat a match quarters defense, but they are pretty good at 
they're they're either a screen, a horizontal or vertical pass game is from what I've captured from them. I mean, yeah. Quez Watkins is a vertical receiver. Jalen Rager at TCU was a very good vertical receiver. And Devonta Smith, if you can get him in time, can be a pretty good uh, short guy to take advantage of that space. So I, I'm I'm fascinated. They have not played a team like this yet. I'm, I really want to see what uh, Fangio looks like to take this down. And they're a team also that wants to play Broncos style of offense where they're going to grind you out. Um, they will get probably more explosive plays than the Broncos um, in the past game, but they want to, you know, really play complimentary football, take the air out of the ball and uh, grind you down. And Devonta Smith is like kind of my biggest concern in terms of like matchups in the passing game, just because he's a good enough route runner to really kind of school fuller. Um, and, and again, like I'm, the big thing with Kyle Fuller that really stood out to me in the Dallas game is that he definitely looked better than he has, but the issues with Kyle Fuller are athletic. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why the bears moved on. And I think that's why the Broncos had issues with him early is teams were isolating and leaving him in coverage, running double moves or running vertical on him. And he just doesn't have necessarily the same quickness and overall long speed that he's had to this point in his career. He's good enough. Um, but I think Devonta Smith is a good enough receiver that we could see kind of a couple good plays going their way. And then hopefully enough, that kind of get broken up. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, that is a matchup I'm going to watch if Sertan's out. If Sertan's healthy, I'm feeling pretty good because I think Sertan can run with him. Well, if Sertan's healthy enough to play close to where he's been, I feel pretty mm-hmm. good about it. If not, then yeah, it could be, that could be an issue, but I do agree with you. I think, I think Hertz is a better passer than a lot of fans want to give him credit for, but I don't think he's the kind of guy that you can sit back and throw the ball 40 times and it's going to look good. Yeah. And I think that's why philosophically I would expect Fangio to run a similar idea around the game plan that they ran for Lamar Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be a little different just because the Eagles run out of a lot of 11 personnel. They, they run 12 and 11. So it'll look like, like quote unquote modern offense. Whereas the Ravens, there are a lot of heavy sets. Um, so yep. it ends up being a lot of base. So we're going to end up seeing a lot of three, three uh, DB or three corners. And then the two safeties or three safeties trying to kind of hem hurts into the pocket and make him win from the pocket is my guess. Um, mm-hmm. And the Broncos will try and commit numbers to the box. So we'll probably see less, probably see less cover four, probably a little bit less cover six. And we'll probably see a little bit more with Justin Simmons or Kareem Jackson spinning down to yep. kind of, kind of make a present, their presence known like right at the snap. Yeah. And one thing that will be really interesting in this game as well, just because personnel wise, you're talking about it being 11 personnel. I don't think you're going to see as much like super sub or whatever you want to call it dime with the six defensive no. back look that we saw in this last game where we, I mean, Baron Browning played hundred percent of the snaps. And then I think it was 42 snaps for Kenny young, but I'm expecting to see both of Baron Browning and Kenny young out there a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not hundred percent, but close to it. And that means from 11 personnel with that box kind of box numbers, you're going to see some matchups where, the linebacker is going to be over the uh, over a wide receiver. I think that's probably just inevitable um, with the zone looks and everything. So it'll be interesting. Uh, there were some Baron Browning rap, reps this last game against a wide receiver. He not always the best in coverage, but he has the athleticism to recover and uh, at least limit those kind of things. Um, at least that's what it looked like against CD Lamb when I watched the All Twenty Two. Uh, so it'll be really inter- interesting. It's going to be a big game for those linebackers, man. I want to mention Baron Browning because we did talk about how Jonathan Cooper, both you and I, I think we agree on this. We both kind of have some questions about his long-term upside. Um, I do think if he continues to kind of play as he is, he probably could be an okay starter, but I don't think you should plan on that. And I do think, like you said, that the Broncos should still definitely consider an edge in 2022. 
at the same time, Baron Browning is like kind of the opposite side of that coin in terms of like, he has all the physical tools in the world. The big question about him and the reason he fell to the Broncos in the third round listeners would know this. Cause like we've talked about this before is the questions about his mental processing and the way he's played, given the fact that he missed OTAs, missed training camp, missed a significant stretch of practices during the season to date, and then come in in the last couple games, like he looks a lot better than I expected. Uh, I expected him to be coverage busts a lot. I expected a lot of mental errors and we're not, we're seeing a little bit of it. And again, I do expect that to kind of continue to crop up here and there over the course of the season, because Dak was kind of the first quarterback of the two he's played against that really could punish him for it. But Dak was off. Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily the guy that's going to really punish him for it, but I think Sirianni will try and test him. Um, and I think the Broncos will probably see what well, I do think the Eagles with their screen game, will see a lot of sideline to sideline with Baron Browning in this game, which yeah. he could lead the team in tackles this week. I could definitely yeah. see that. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Yeah, no, I mean, that's... And that's something there's like a... God, what's, how do I put this? There is a kind of a disconnect between what a lot of fans think athleticism at the linebacker position brings versus what it does in reality. And I mean, just go back and watch the Super Bowl last year, uh, Levante David and Devin white, obviously two of the best, uh, probably the best linebacker duo in football right now. I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. That's more talented than that duo. And while especially David pretty good in one-on-one kind of coverage situations, what they do is they close space. Um, and when you have those short, easy, high, um, high value or highly, highly completion percentage passes, instead of getting, you know, eight, nine, 10 plus yards, you know, it's three yards, it's four yards. And we saw that, um, on the, uh, I guess the other hand against Dallas, Micah Parsons, there was a good, uh, good play set up to Jerry Judy. I was like a second down, I believe. And Micah Parsons comes screaming from the box to make a tackle and limit Jerry Judy to like only two yards. That's what athleticism at linebacker is typically going to bring you versus, you know, oh, we can't shut down Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey. Those guys are still going to get theirs, but athleticism can close those spaces down, make it easier and stop the bleeding somewhat from those short, high completion percentage passes from really killing you. And I know you and I have mentioned this before on Twitter, but I think one of the big reasons why fans have that misconception with athleticism at linebacker is like Madden. Um, And again, I don't blame you guys. I do this in two. And Madden, I draft the every, I have like thresholds in Madden that like a linebacker has to be like 85 speed or higher, or I don't even want them because those guys, you can just put them in man and they're just going to lock people down. But in real life, that's not really how it works. Um, That said, I am optimistic about Browning long-term in coverage, but I do think it'll be kind of hit and miss here and there this season. Um, And then we'll kind of hope, you know, hope he is improving along the way. Um, but as we mentioned this, one thing that is worth noting is the Eagles best receiver is Dallas Goddard is yeah. without a doubt. Um, and since they had the Zach Hurts trade, like he's looked very, very good. Um, and he's kind of been Jalen Hurts' security blanket. So I do expect them to go after the Broncos linebackers trying to free up Goddard. And again, the way Fangio mixes and matches his zones, we'll see safeties on him. We'll see linebackers on him. We might see a slot corner on him at one point or another. Um, so it's, it's a collaborative effort 
Um, the Broncos have actually have actually been pretty okay against tight ends most of the season, but they haven't faced many like Dallas Goddard yet. Yeah, no, it's, that's very true. Goddard is also a true every way tight end. Um, yeah. He's not this, you know, fake tight end playing wide receiver or wide receiver, you know, playing tight end. Um, he can attach to the line of scrimmage and he can move a dude at the point of attack, which is perfect for them because they want to play 11 personnel. They want to run out of 11 uh, with quarterback power and everything they're doing there, the inside zone. But Goddard at the same time, he's an extension of the offensive line and uh, he can really help you. Uh, he's also pretty darn tough to tackle uh, after the catch. Um, he's not, you know, an incredible athlete in that regard, but he's a, he's a unit. So uh, I'm really, I'm not concerned about Goddard. I don't think he's going to create a back breaking play, but he's definitely a part of that offense where they can nickel and dime you down the field, punching the mouth multiple times. And then Quez Watkins gets behind one cornerback and it's boom, it's a 40 yard touchdown. So, uh, Goddard's definitely a plus player. Um, I have, I have the very tough, uh, decision in my fantasy every single week. Cause I got Goddard and I got Mike Gusecki as well. Right. And both those guys are playing pretty good football. Um, but I, man, Goddard loves him coming out. Was it South Dakota state? It was, it was yes. South Dakota state, right? The, yep. the Jackrabbits. Um, so yeah, he's a great player. Um, Man, they really just put your linebackers in such flux. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup. I cannot wait. I'm hoping that uh, we haven't even talked about it yet because it's just so fun to talk about this defense versus this matchup. But uh, Bron- this needs to be another game like the Cowboys game where Broncos defense, while they are, what is the second in the league in points per game, a lot of the efficiency metrics, the defense has been average or slightly worse. Um, but you can protect them and you can still have a great you know, bottom line points per game uh, if your offense can dictate somewhat. And uh that's when magic happens, man. That's, that's, that's the formula this year, right? You don't have doubt. You don't have Aaron Rodgers under center. You got Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but if you can run the football and protect the football and have long drives, uh, you can win football games. So one last thing before we kind of move to the offense, cause I do want, you know, I, I want to give it yeah. its fair due. What outside of Quez Watkins, what is the matchup that you are probably most concerned about with the Eagles against the Broncos defense or is it Quez Watkins? Cause I am concerned about him as well. Um, I'm concerned about him, but really I am concerned about the, I'm concerned about Jalen hurts as a runner, just because I think that, you know, you do everything right. And a quarterback like that with that run game can make, you know, you're doing everything right, but he pulls it down and just makes a play as an athlete. And man, uh, that is demoralizing to a team. Um, they can keep you the the game grinding and, uh, he's tough to bring down too. I mean, we saw last week, the Broncos are getting pressure but they weren't able to corral back in the pocket and bring him down. And Jalen hurts is a, I would say a, a thicker boy yeah. <laughs> that even Dak Prescott with a, uh, with his calf injury last week. So um, it really is the Jalen hurts run game. Now maybe that's not going to break your back, but that kind of thing can break your spirit. And for a team that's riding so much momentum right now as the Broncos, also the type of game plan they need to run to win. Um, if Jalen hurts, you know, third and 10, third and six, a couple times and tucks it and runs and picks up 12 yards, uh, that can really, really hurt you. Damn. And he does have the athleticism to do it. I did. I, I know you, uh, I just finished the first half of the Raiders game before we hopped on. And he actually, mm-hmm. at one point he's in his own end zone. I want to say it's third and it was third and long. And he ran for a first down from his own end zone against the Raiders. And it's like, it's backbreaking. It's, it's yeah. just, it's so frustrating. It hurts. Yeah. Uh, yep. you touched on it. Um, I want to kind of go to the offense time of possession. I think is, it, I always tend to think it's kind of an overrated stat most weeks, but I do think with the Broncos with kind of their formula 
for winning games, it is important because it it's a sign that the offense is staying on track. It's and a it's, confounding variable, right? Like if your time of possession is high, it means your offense is executing. It's not, you know, you're not, the offense isn't executing because the, your, uh, your time of possession is high, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely correlated to that. And it also, like you said, it also protects your defense and keeps them from a lot of exposure. Because I do think if you give most NFL offensive coordinators 30 minutes worth of plays to kind of like get cracks at the secondary, they're going to probably find some success because the Broncos still are not creating a ton of pressure. They did last week, but like, again, we're going to notice the absence of on Miller. Like this isn't me, you know, trying to be an asshole or trying to be negative. This is just the truth. Like you can't lose that kind of pass rusher and not notice it. Um, you're going to have some good weeks, but that is something that's going to be something that we need to kind of keep an eye on going forward. Um, so I think the offense has to stay on track. They have to kind of play some bully ball and do what they like did last week where they, and again, like this has kind of been the formula that you and I have both mentioned a lot all year. Got to run the ball. You have to kind of play into the quick game and use it as an extension of the running game, in my opinion, because that helps protect your offensive line from pass rushers because individually the Mm -hmm. offensive line of the Broncos, especially now that they're going to be starting three backups. It's, it's a problem. Like at this point, Mm -hmm. um, the two healthy starters are probably the two worst pass protectors. Um, Dalton Reisner. And again, I'm not, I I like Dalton Reisner, but Dalton Reisner's issues with quickness as a pass protector at this point is pretty well known. Um, most teams have been trying to take advantage of that by isolating him against quicker, Pass rush. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons last week. Yep. Yep. And, and again, we've seen it on and off all year. Um, and then Lloyd Cushenberry, he just he has issues with play strength. He'll it happens in the run game and it happens in the pass game. There's times where he gets bull rush and he's suddenly he's three yards in the backfield, and Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon have to kind of like pivot around him to get the hole. Or mm-hmm. he ends up kind of right on top of Bridgewater and he has to adjust. So mm-hmm. the fact that those are the two healthy starters. Shermer needs to do his part to keep them from getting exposed to a lot of pass rush because the Eagles front is quite good, especially if Josh Sweat is healthy. Yeah, no, you touched the nail on the head. I will say, you know, I don't know how much momentum exists from one season to the next, but game to game, it does exist. And I think that Cushionberry and Reisner are arguably coming off their best game uh, this season. Uh, I mean, Cushionberry, especially, I mean, he's, (laughs) he actually looked competent for the first time. I mean, really, I mean, getting to the second level, who knew it's crazy. Um, That's off to Cushionberry. You got, you know, if we're going to talk down and uh, be critical of these guys and they're bad, we should talk them up when they're good and they were good. Um, So, but you want to protect the, this offensive line and the best way to protect offensive line is it's like a boxing match, you know, multiple body blows. And that's what the run game can be for you. It gives you a chance to breathe and it gives your offensive lineman a chance to dictate and go forward. And when you have Quinn Miners, who's probably starting at right guard, I don't think they've announced that yet as of Wednesday, but he's been, I don't want to, Again, I don't want to talk too much trash, but I think he's been significantly better than Moody um, this yes. season when he's I been agree. put on the field. Um, and uh, also this is partially the, the Eagles as well. You know, they're really good at getting after the passer. Um, Cox is not the Fletcher Cox of old, but he's still, you know, he's still a good player. And Javon Hargraves, he's fallen off a little bit since week five. Um, he was incredible um, the first five weeks, but neither of those guys have been amazing against the run. Um, so just looking at that, you should have some success running the game. Um, and you hope that your defense can keep it close enough where even if you fall behind, let's say 10 points, you need to be stubborn with it. You need to stick with the run because the run game is creating explosive plays and uh, not every single team can do that the way the Broncos are right now. So um, hopefully they can continue that. And I will say, you know, you mentioned it on here, but um, it's not around Twitter. 
Uh, but the Eagles linebackers, I, I don't want to, this is something you always say when, uh, you know, then it comes back and bites you in the butt and they're incredible, but on paper and on tape this so far this season, absolutely terrible. I mean, just, just, just dreadful. And I don't want to talk, what is it? Uh, Devin Taylor, former Colorado Buffalo player. You know, I, I liked him at kind of an overhang safety hybrid linebacker type, but uh, that overall the linebackers there have been bad and that spells good things for if the Broncos can block that front four, and Javonta Williams or Melvin Gordon get to the second level, you can have some fun. Um, and that's what I'm hoping to see against the Eagles here. I I will be very critical of Shermer if he kind of abandons a run game as he has a bunch of times this year, just because it's just right in front of you in this game. And it's such an yeah. easy way to just kind of... To, and again, if Josh Sweat is hurt, like they're down to backups on the edges, and that kind of neutralizes the disadvantage that you have with Cameron Fleming. So like that kind of works in your favor as well. Mm-hmm. And Cameron Fleming is a better run blocker than he is a pass protector. Like there, there, there was before the season started, I actually thought he had a decent chance to win that starting job in part because of that, because if the Broncos wanted to run a lot of gap as they had last year, Fleming was actually better suited for it than Bobby Massey. Massey's a better pass protector. And I think that's why he won yeah. the job pretty easily. Um, Important. But if you're starting Fleming play into his strengths and that's, yeah. that's a way to do it. Um, and like you said, I, I don't think anyone, in the Eagles linebacker core really wants to try and tackle Javante Williams. So make them. Yeah, no, uh, totally. Um, he needs to be a little bit less boomer bust for my taste. And I think you I and I are on the same page with that. That's why, you know, why aren't they playing Williams more? Get rid of Gordon. It's like, well, um, Gordon's not getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage at the rate that uh, Javante Williams is. And this offense isn't dynamic enough where they can dig themselves at a second and 10 plus uh, as consistently as a, Williams running the ball has led to, but Williams has created a lot of explosive plays. So I hope they can get after it. I also hope we see a lot of uh, Judy in motion again this week. I I don't know why they don't, maybe there's something that is more complicated here with somebody that's smarter than me, but I don't understand why you don't run some sort of motion on every single play just to make sure that make the defense have to adjust um, and show their hand maybe, and uh, do something like that. And then maybe at some point they fall asleep on it. And you hand it to that guy and he's off, you know, easy 10 yards, but I really love that what they were doing with Judy in that regard. Um, they also looked like they were making sure to that he avoided his. Uh, is it the left ankle that is injured for him? Yeah, or is it the right? I can't. Go it's ahead. the left ankle. So the, the, a lot of the in routes um, were when Judy was lined up on the right side, so he could push off that right ankle. So good. That's off the or hats off to Pat Sherman. I know we're pretty critical of him on here, but I think he gets probably a little bit more criticism than is totally deserved. It's definitely deserved sometimes, but overall, I think the product's been better than what a lot of people are talking about. I mean, we're just yes. looking at the stats right now in the season. The offense is better than the defense for a lot of uh, metrics. So um, it will be interesting to see, but you're, you're totally right. The Broncos got to run the ball. They got to run it efficiently and they need to create some explosive plays with that. And if you can do that, punch them in the mouth enough times, um, then the Eagles maybe start reeling and we can start to see it get away. And it's really, I mean, not that I haven't even mentioned the Hawkeyes yet today. Or I did, I did once Adrian Claiborne, but uh, nothing is more demoralizing or more fun uh, than a team that's absolutely beating the heck out of you in the trenches. And I think the Broncos, even though they're they're down to their backups on the offensive line, they should be able to do that in this game because the Eagles front seven, not that good against the run, even though they have good players. I mean, they're just not good against the run this year. And one of the other things that makes the Eagle, like, it, one of the things that's really interesting about this matchup too is that the Eagles secondary is pretty bad. Um, honestly, this, this Eagles yeah. defense and again, for listeners, you, for those of you who don't follow, you know, the NFL as a whole and kind of just stick really close to the Broncos, the Eagles came into this season kind of a capped out mess. 
Um, so because of it, they kind of just made a lot of painful choices, kept a lot of young players that probably didn't really shouldn't have been starting. A lot of them are playing. They kind of made moves where they could. Um, mm-hmm. So they signed Steven Nelson on a one year deal. They got Darius Slay. Darius Slay's actually like was pretty decent, but he now he he's also hurt, may not play. Um, we don't know yet. Also, one of their their starting safety may not play. Um, McLeod. Um, and he's probably one of their best safety. Actually, probably their best safety. Eagles run a lot of cover two. They run a lot of cover three. Run a lot of cover four, and they run a lot of cover six. They do not run much man because they don't trust their corners. And I and I don't have the number right in front of me, but I want to say four four NFL quarterbacks this season have completed eighty percent of their passes on them. I know Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, uh, Patrick Mahomes. They, they they basically shredded them. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like the thing with Bridgewater is he has limitations. Uh, and again, we we can get to that at some point. But he's pretty accurate. Um, and if he mm-hmm. has time, and the Eagles do not send five, they send five less than just about every other team in the league. And they don't run a lot of stunts. That surprised me. I expected them to run more stunts than they do, considering the fact they don't blitz, but they don't. The Broncos should be able to set up shop and kind of win in the quick game until the running game sets up bombs. Um, that's kind of my hope. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles, unfortunately for them, a lot of their weaknesses f- fall into areas where the Broncos are strong. Um, yeah. They don't have great depth in the secondary right now at corner. Uh, the Broncos with Sutton, Patrick, and Judy, you can isolate a matchup that you want and pick on a guy. I mean, they, re- they really can do that. And also the Eagles, their run defense this year, I mean, it's not great. <laughs> it's really it's really not that good. Uh, don't want to get too far down to the, the – uh, the bolts of it, but uh, 22nd so far this year and rush EPA per play from that defense, which is not great. And it's, it's actually been trending down on um, the last few weeks. Cause they were amazing the first few weeks on that defensive front. So um, again, this is a game where the Broncos, you need to protect a quarterback. You need to protect your offensive line and you need to just lean into that running back. And that requires also, you know, we're talking about Shermer and him maybe abandoning the run game too early, but that also does require the defense to come out and not give up, you know, seven, 10 points, 14 points in the first three drives of the game. Um, Otherwise it's, you know, it's really hard to be that stubborn. I I hope he does. I hope he still is. Um, But the defense can't come out there and play so passively. And all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball and uh, you can't really dictate on offense like you'd want to. Are you worried about Jalen Rager as a returner? I'm not worried about Jalen Rager as a returner and as as far as it's Jalen Rager. I'm worried about Jalen Rager as a returner because I'm worried about everybody returning against this Broncos unit because as soon as they step on the field, the clown music starts. Um, So not not to be too negative, but it's just, it's very frustrating. Um, It's, and especially for how this team is built, you know, you're not a team that has wide margins of error because your offense can hang with everybody and play keep up. Like you're a field position team. You're a grinded out team. And that formula almost never works. If your special teams is as bad as the Broncos coverage units are. And McManus leaving points on the the field here recently as well. So um, that he does concern me, but it's more so because I don't have any confidence in the Broncos coverage units uh, in stopping anybody. And Tony Pollard, I mean, let's let's give a shout out to Tony Pollard. He's a heck of a returner. He's been a great running back for them this year, too. I don't think he's that level of dynamic um, as a player because Tony Pollard also brings more size than Rager, too, which can be an issue. Um, but yeah, they really need to they really need to step up. I thought I, I enjoyed Vic Fangio's spice saying that uh, the special teams didn't show up last week. Yeah, no. And, and that was one of those things where the refs really bailed Denver out. 
Um, and yeah. again, like that wasn't the coverage units, but like they've had enough almost blocks that I am worried about that every week, regardless. Like I- I'm at a point where when I go over opponents, I tend to watch their, their, their punt return to see how mm-hmm. good the rush is because then I'm like, Oh shit. Um, Washington was one of the scenes. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you think that's a Sam Martin thing too? I mean, I I'll be honest with you. I do not scout or claim to be an expert on special teams. Um, it's, you know, it's more like, uh, what are the Supreme court a few years ago? It's like pornography, you know, and you see it right. And they're like bad special teams play, you know, and you see it. And that's been the Broncos case here recently. But as far as why it's happening, especially those blocks, um, I do wonder if Sam Martin's a little bit slow to get rid of the football compared to some other punters out there, which is leading the Broncos vulnerable to those blocks. Uh, I think the big problem is just the protection on inside. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, they're, they're allowing, they're allowing a lot of pressure off the like left of the long snapper sense. It seems to be. And I know that's where the block came from, but also yeah. in Cleveland, that was a thing. The jets game. That's where it, I, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong. I thought that that's where it came from. They've also had a couple of other guys who've gotten through right around that spot. Um, I don't think Martin's especially quick, uh, mm-hmm. but I'd have to like go back and like compare him to like trust, like his trust way is pretty good. Um, I'd have to like look at some of the better punters to like really see the snap, like snap to kick time, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll, and I'll admit, like, like you said, I, I watch a little bit of special teams because I try to keep up with it because McMahon's so bad. So yeah. I've been trying to like get an idea of like what I'm really watching. But up until I started doing this, like with mile high report, uh, I was one of those guys that when special teams came on, I would like go to the bathroom or check my phone. So like, it's not necessarily, it's not, not something I'm like thrilled to watch, but it's something that I think is just important enough now that I'm keeping an eye on because I think McMahon is just, it, it's insane. Like you said, for a team that's like, quote unquote, like no death by inches. Like it's insane that they've kept McMahon this whole time through because he is like the definition of death by inches. Death by mile high. At that point, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 rough. Um, you'd hope with the maybe change in philosophy uh, with George Payton coming on here, not so much a change, but an emphasis or a reemphasis of a multitude of draft picks, especially day three, that you can get some just height, weight, speed guys that, hey, yeah. you're big and fast and pretty smart and you like to hit. Guess what? Special teams all all day. Um, but uh, hasn't been the case yet. And it's, it's really frustrating because I do feel like they have empowered those units overall. Uh, I do wish that we had a little bit better punter than Sam Martin, um, considering what they are paying him. Um, it's, it could really be a huge advantage in the mile high, especially with um, the way this team is built right now. I don't understand why they, I guess they did try with Marquette King, uh, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating. It's one of those things where I think next year we will see probably a new punter come in uh, because have to for what they're paying him. Yeah. Cause I agree. It's, when they signed him last year, it was kind of a, hey, we finally have a competent punter again. Let's hope McMahon doesn't ruin this one. And so yeah. far, like he's been about, he's been okay. Um, But yeah, I, I agree. I do think also the fact that Payne does prioritize it is almost going to have to bear fruit once you get a new coach in. And mm-hmm. and I, I, I think if the Broncos, so let's kind of move forward from like the game itself, because I think we're both confident. If the Broncos take care of like their business, they should win this game. That said, I don't think this is going to be an easy game. I do think that like, we're going to probably have a couple moments where fans are sweating it because here's the thing. The Eagles had a probably a tougher start to their season than the Broncos did in terms of schedule. These teams are pretty, pretty close in terms of like overall talent level at this point, especially because the Broncos lost Von Miller and all the injuries. But I do mm-hmm. think that this, like the Broncos are a better coach team, believe it or not. 
um, outside of special teams. And I do think the Broncos have a better quarterback. And generally speaking, unless something really catastrophic goes against you, those two things should help make up the difference as long as your defense doesn't shit the bed. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah, I know. But that's that's where I land on it. Yeah. Um. So my hope, and like I, I want to say, like I'm cautiously optimistic that the Broncos will enter the bye week six and four because I thought the Broncos would be five and five after these two games because of Dallas, not not Philly. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm always a little bit scared coming off of such an emotionally charged high like that game against Dallas, where That's a team fair. can have an e- like coming out with that level of energy and execution. Sometimes you can come a little flat um, with that, which is concerning and maybe that's just me being a uh, pessimistic Hawkeye fan you know like winning a big game against Penn State and then absolutely looking horrible against Purdue the following week like what's going on who is this team um that stuff really is a is a bummer um but you know it's this is a team that we're gonna again I said it last week I'll say it again but for a different reason we're gonna find out a lot about this team's mental makeup and leadership now that Von Miller is gone and the uncertainty with Vic Fangio uh can they re not rally, but can they refocus and really commit to the task um, coming off that big Dallas win? Because it's really easy to go back. Oh man, let's watch the highlights again. You know, I'm feeling really good about it. This is what it felt like last week. You're on against a team that's, you know, say what you will about the Eagles, you know, coaching hasn't been great. there. really don't have much respect for their uh, defensive coordinator Gannon. I don't think he's doing, uh, he's not that impressive to me. Um, granted, they don't have a lot of horses in the back seven, but still, uh, we see a guy like Atlanta right now with Dean Pease and they're playing way above their talent level. And then a team like the Eagles are not doing that. Um, but this is going to be a game where you're finding out again about the, the resolve they have there in that locker room. And I don't want to point directly at Teddy Bridgewater or any single person, but I do think there is probably something there. So really interested in that biggest thing for me in this game is the Broncos run game should bear fruit against this Eagles front seven. They, they just should. And if that, that's probably the biggest thing that I lean on, that's why the Broncos will win this game. If they can run the ball effectively, efficiently, uh, create some explosive plays and win the turnover battle, which they should, they'll, they'll win on Sunday. Agreed. So then before I let you go, cause I know I'm keeping you, I want, I wanted, I want to kind of touch on this because you do watch more college football during the season than I do by love far. It. I love it. I love college. Am I crazy for being out on this quarterback class? I'll start there. I mean, being out on the quarterback class in general is a little bit dramatic. So right? let me, um, let me, let me, let me clarify. Cause like that, that was like my, you know, like the, the 280 yeah. character version of it. Yeah. I think this quarterback class is going to have first round guys because of the demand. But I mm-hmm. think this is going to be one of those classes where five years from now, we look back at most of the guys that ended up going and going to teams and what it'll be is it's a lot of like day two guys that kind of slid up because of demand and we'll end up having some low end starters and then backups. Maybe mm-hmm. a guy breaks through, but I, unlike most years, I don't see a single quarterback in this class where I'm looking at him and I'm saying that's a future pro bowler. Mm-hmm. And that's usually like kind of the measure. Like usually you get a guy if nothing else, like, and that's what made 2021 so special. Even if, you know, the early returns are kind of, kind of shaky 
is that it looked like there was four potential Pro Bowl quarterbacks last year's class. This year, mm-hmm. may, I like I, I think Willis in the right situation could be, but that's a that's a lot, and and I think he's more. You need more de- more development with Willis than you did with Lance, even though he's yeah. played a little bit more, and that's concerning to me. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I don't want to go too far down the. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about this this offseason, but um, for me, quarterbacks, I it's I need guys to show me reasons not to take them, and a lot of times I'll start off with as as maybe corny or bad processes is this is what I've found myself doing is to get an idea of what a quarterback can be and what their traits are. I'll watch a highlight first just to see like okay when everything's perfect, what is the the plus for yep. this guy. Um, and I went away from that because originally I loved Josh Allen. And then I went way too much breaking down the plays and it's like the specific end result of each play. And it's like, okay, well he can't execute each play, but it's up to the coaches to drag that out of them. And it's also up to that player's intelligence and work ethic, their resolve. Um, so those are things that I look at that I can't answer from where I sit. As far as this class goes, I think there are six quarterbacks that have a chance to be solid starters in this league. And I've, we've, I've been at this long enough. I'm sure you have as well that, you know, I've, I know enough to know that I know nothing. Um, and NFL executives, I wish would understand that as well, because who hits and who doesn't hit a lot of times, especially the quarterback position, obviously the earlier you take a guy, the better they're going to be, but, uh, historically, but there's a lot of variance in there. So what I think is if I'm Den- Denver in this class, Right now, I'm looking at these quarterbacks. I have Matt Corral number one, just because I think he, while his play style and what he's asked to do right now is not super replicatable or translatable to the NFL level. You know, a lot of quarterback draws, a lot of uh, RPO slants, a lot of throws to the flat. You know, there's just stuff like that or halfback swings. Not something he's going to do the next level, but he's got the traits. He definitely has the uh, the toughness that you want for that quarterback position as well. I mean, those guys really rally around him, which I respect. So if if I can get him middle of day one, um, just like the, the Patriots did sitting there and taking Mac Jones at 15, I have no issue with that because I don't consider that a massive investment uh, at the quarterback position. Now, when you're trading multiple draft picks away, multiple years, first round picks to go get a guy. Now, now you got me pumping the brake because I don't believe in any of those guys in this class to that level. But if one falls to you sitting there, you know, the middle of the first halfway through the first, somebody like Corral or Willis, um, I don't think that, and especially it's also because of the rookie wage scale. Now you're not, you're not going to be dead for missing that first round pick. And at some point, at some point you do have to take that shot. Um, so right now where I sit, I really like the, uh, 2018 Ravens method for this class where you sit there, wherever you're picking, take a guy you have to have, whether it be a tackle, whether that be an edge rusher, a cornerback, interior defensive lineman, use that extra capital you have, go get a guy that you like at pick 30, 31, 32 to get that fifth year option. Um, it's still going to cost you a little bit, but not crazy uh, yeah. to do that. And uh, I think that's worth, even though, you know, it's probably, you know, I think most likely you'll get a okay starter there the, in the mold where you enjoy, enjoy them for the rookie contract and then you let them walk. Um, that's probably the most likely outcome, but you got to take a shot at some point. So that's where, that's where I'm sitting right now. My big concern is that I don't know if I believe Peyton is going to be like that. Cause I think I agree with you. I do think in today's NFL with the way the rookie wage scale works, if you don't love a quarterback by like year three and he's in, and he's on, you know, two more years and he's like passable. Yeah. Ride it out. And then kind of look to replace him. That's why mm-hmm. I've never really had a problem with the idea that after, you know, drew locks first two years, the Broncos kind of realized like we probably don't have a guy. If you don't, you don't and kind of plan mm-hmm. around, you know, moving forward. Um, yep. that said, and that's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. if the, 
I really was really critical last week about the idea that the Broncos didn't trade Teddy Bridgewater, but I do understand that if the Broncos do plan to draft a rookie quarterback, Bridgewater may very well be the best free agent quarterback on this coming market. Mm-hmm. So it totally. makes sense if to keep him and then to potentially keep him in the building for a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe, you know, two years as a bridge guy. And yeah. if you're drafting, let's say, and again, as of right now, my pie in the sky is the thought of like Willis just because of the upside. Yeah. That's with that said, I understand the floor is very low, but yeah. if you grab Willis and he's sitting behind Bridgewater for a year in theory, that could be good because Bridgewater does a lot of the things you want Willis to get better at. In theory, yep. that could work out. Um, but I'm with you. I I'm going to cringe if they're trading up into the top ten to grab a guy. Like that's going to make me pretty queasy. Uh, just because I just yeah. don't see it. I don't see the upside of any of these guys being high enough to really justify trading away multiple firsts to go get them. Yeah, I don't think those guys have the traits or tools that you we saw in the top of last year's class. Um, but there could be some competent guys in here, no yeah. doubt. And uh, part of it too is again knowing knowing enough to know what I don't know yeah. is the intelligence and the heart of some of these guys. And those intangibles really do matter for that quarterback position. I mean, we're seeing it right now with Teddy Bridgewater, right? Not the best athlete ever, not the best arm talent ever, but smart. And man, those guys are willing to you know fall on the sword for him, which really does it really does matter. Belief matters in that locker room. Uh, so yeah, you're touching on it too. Retaining Bridgewater, I don't think that's a bad practice at all uh because it's the specifics of this quarterback class the only guy in this class right now that i feel like okay he probably could start day one is kenny pickett um it's and it's a lot of that has to do with the concepts he ran prior to the season the amount of starts under his belt i do think that he's a bit limited his arm's fine the hand size is concerning the fact that he wasn't good until this season with this many games is concerning about you know did he already take the step that you'd expect him to take in the nfl the year before right right here in college um, those are all things that scare me, but for this class in general, I mean, Howell, his offensive style under Phil Luongo, I can never remember that offensive coordinator. I hate him. Uh, he was the guy who like, uh, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf were like, oh yeah, we make up our routes under that offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. You know, like, what the hell are we doing? Um, drives me nuts. That offense is tough to watch sometimes. Uh, but Sam Howell, maybe him. I mean, he has enough arm talent and athleticism where back of the first round day two. I mean, I am taking a shot, understanding that it's a lottery ticket. I know, I know. You know, and not, and then the fan base understanding that a day two pick at quarterback is a lottery ticket. That's not an investment in the future. I just want to say, I'm going to be making memes about Sam Howell this off season, probably because I just, I, well, I just, I, and again, like I, he's the one quarterback from this class that I've actually watched pretty closely just because I studied him back when I was watching Devontae Williams and Michael quarter, Everybody was talking about why draft a quarterback in 2021. You can just wait to get Sam Howell in 2022. And I was like, let's see what that means. And then, you know, I I stopped and I started looking at him and I just, I see a bad version of Baker Mayfield. Um, And and, and I know you've talked about a little bit on Twitter. He has the rushing ability, but he's not necessarily a good enough athlete that that's translatable. And he can't handle pressure. Like, and again, like every quarterback is going to be inconsistent under pressure because that's Mm -hmm. what happens. That's the point. But Sam Howell has a bit of like a meltdown version of like, oh shit, what do I do? And it kind of yeah. reminds me a little bit too much of Drew Locke in that regard because Locke does that as well. And I just, if the Broncos take him in like the third round, I could probably survive it just because it's like, they're not really invested. If, you know, if he busts, he busts. If they're getting him in the first, I'm going to be pretty nervous because I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, And again, maybe I'm wrong. I haven't studied all of this year yet or anything like that. So maybe, um, but I'm, he's the one quarterback in this class that I think is going to probably be a bust. 
Yeah, the one that scares me the most right now is probably Carson Strong, and it's not totally his game. Um, it's the knee. Uh, yep. Apparently, his yep. knee is Same. super flagged. Um, and Same. I love the arm talent. Um, but that knee is concerning. Also, I know he's had the knee injury and whatnot, but like, what year is he? He's a senior, right? Like, yes. he's a senior this season. Yeah. You think that strength and conditioning program would add some mass to his base because he has got twigs down there. And that's just, that's not great for a quarterback in today's NFL. You know, you need to be able to be able to escape and get wrong, get right when everything's wrong in front of you. And I don't think he's ever going to have that does have the arm, but all that on top of the knee concerns scare me. I know. I think I saw Mel Kuyper today talking about uh, Desmond Ritter being Josh Allen, which uh, I I know if Josh Mel Kuyper was a meme, you know, talking so much about Josh Allen in that draft cycle and turns out Mel Kuyper, you know, he was onto something. Everybody's like, Oh man, what are you talking about? Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. It's like, no, the tools, the Josh Allen kid. So, um, I'll probably need to go back to Desmond Ritter. Uh, he's giving me a little bit of PTSD right now. As far as you talk about Sam Howell being like lock with the uh, inability to handle pressure, I'm getting some lock PTSD with Ritter just yeah. because he is such a, a non-precise passer. He's a general accuracy thrower and, uh, you can, that can work in the NFL sometimes, but I think it limits him at the next level, especially if you're running in a, offense that's horizontal at all and you want to get yak because he's he's not getting yak uh, with his lack of precision and one concern with ritter that because willis and ritter both have that concern in my mind uh willis, willis is more, is more of, plus traits though yeah. yeah and willis is also he hasn't played as much so like that's mm-hmm. the other part of it whereas ritter you've you've seen him play enough that you start to kind of think like why aren't you getting better at this and you start mm-hmm. to wonder uh so i agree um again i know i'm keeping i just want to briefly if we're not drafting quarterbacks in this class, what do you hope the Broncos do? The edge class looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I really like George Karloftis. I'm a big fan of him. I want to see what he measures is. I saw Dane Brugler's um, top 50 came out today saying that uh, Karloftis has 33 inch arm length, which was a little bit of a shock considering the the presence he has with power on the edge. So that one is uh, one to watch, but I really like Karloftis's game. Um, I mean, just pr- pressures, count at the NFL. I know they're not as good as sacks and everything, but pressures count and he gets a lot of pressures. I love Adrian Hutchinson too. If we're not drafting up there though, um, I I'm not as big of a Drake Jackson fan. I think he's a little bit soft. Um, I know he's toolsy, but I want to have a little bit more presence in here. And I think that in the, uh, in the AFC West getting so big 12, like recently yeah. over these last few seasons, I think of Denver, if they're never going to have, I don't think it's fair to say, Oh, we have to have a quarterback of, Patrick Mahomes's or Justin Herbert's level. I mean, you're going to just, you're not going to be a happy person. Then it's like, Oh, I'm not going to be happy unless I marry Eva Longoria or Jennifer Lopez. It's like, well, buddy, you're a, you're a Iowa six, like, come on now. Uh, but uh, that's a, uh, you need to, I would love them to go to more of a, a bully ball style where they can be explosive in that regard and be maybe a change of pace um, and match it that way. So somebody a little bit more physical, if not that, I think a good way would just offensive line. Um, this is a unit that they haven't drafted. They haven't even drafted a tackle since 2017, which is mind blowing. Um, and while Massey has played fine this season, again, leaning into Javonta Williams, maximizing his rookie contract, making it easier for when eventually you are set up for that young quarterback to come in and take over investing in that offensive line, you know, and giving them a year or two, uh, I think is a great investment. The last one that comes out to me, and again, I'm just, oh, I'm touching on all the value positions. No, no duh. That's who I am. Um, cornerback. It's cornerback again. Um, again, AFC West is becoming Big 12 football. And one of the best ways to stop that, you know, red passing attack is to have 
cornerbacks who can match up in man and give you a chance to run a multitude of schemes. Not many teams in the NFL have enough cornerback talent where they can play the man coverage as consistently as somebody like Dennis Allen is with the saints right now because of the quality of the cornerbacks they have. Um, so Patrick Sertan going to be great for here for a long time, hopefully hall of fame level, but heck, I mean, let's just say top 20, top 15 cornerback um, taking another one here with you're losing fuller, only one year left of Darby essentially after the season, two years, but you can get out of his contract easily. Yep. Um, stacking cornerbacks, I think is a, a very valid method. And it's something also where you invest in depth of that position. It's one of those spots that if you get far enough down the depth chart, it can kill you eventually. So you need to continually invest in depth there. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, one thing I, I want to touch on just before I let you go is the idea that I think a lot of Broncos fans kind of like got into being diehard Broncos fans during the era of Peyton Manning. And that's, I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now with Bridgewater even. Cause again, I'm not about to tell you that, you know, Bridgewater is like legit, like quote unquote, like good. Like he's not a quarterback. Uh, the way I break down when I scout is guys you can't win with guys. You can win in spite of guys you can win with, and then guys you win because of, I would say Bridgewater is a guy you can win with and that you have to have enough help around him. But that said, the numbers aren't lying. Like he's hovering around probably about the top 10 ish um, for quarterback play. And again, that, that partly speaks to where quarterback play is in the league right now, because Mahomes is down. Allen's kind of inconsistent. Wilson's hurt. Um, But at the same time, like, the Broncos aren't necessarily losing games just because Teddy Bridgewater, they're losing games because Teddy Bridgewater and like other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, a lot of fans see, well, he's not Peyton Manning. So he sucks. And it's like, guys, yeah. like the Broncos probably aren't going to have a goat quarterback again for a, hopefully, hopefully they have, they do it again before we die. I was going to say <laughs> in our lifetime, uh, it's hard. Uh, but that's one reason also come back to your last one. Uh, sometimes it's hard to know. So sometimes just taking that shot, um, especially when you have the excess capital that the Broncos are going to have in this cycle right now, um, it's not going to kill you to take that shot. You just need to know when to move on. Um, also, that's a big thing. Sorry, dog gun jumping in here. No, you're um, as far as uh, oh, he sidetracked me as far as the goat quarterback and building. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he's definitely the statistics do say that he's playing at a top 10 quarterback. I still probably put him in the. 14 to 20 range. Um, And I think a lot of it is because this is a big reason. Maybe the Broncos have a shot at an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson this off season. This really is a good offense around him. The offensive line could use some work, but the combination of Sutton Patrick, even if he's here next year or not, we'll see. Um, I'm not debating Sutton. He needs to be back. (laughs) Don't talk to me about that one. He's good. I agree. Uh, Jerry Judy next year and uh, the running backs they have. And even, you know, I'm not giving up on Fant yet, but I think that, Bridgewater is, I like to use cross sports references here. And I've said this one on Twitter before, but he's Rajon Rondo, right? Like he is very good at getting the ball to the right person where they can do things um, after the catch and maximize those guys. Now he's not Russell Westbrook where he's an incredible athlete, you know, dunking and playing, you know, full court basketball. He's not uh, Steph Curry hitting up crazy threes, but when you have guys around him, he does a good job of elevating them. So, um, that's kind of the quarterback I see with Bridgewater right now. He'll always be limited uh, by how good the talent is around him. And that's not what you want because eventually it's going to fall on the quarterback to make a play. Um, and it's hard. That's an unsustainable method to have. Oh, Bridgewater will be great. You just need a top 10 offense around him every year. It's like, well, good luck. Um, but uh, for now, it's fine. And for how this roster is right now, it's fine. And if they bring him back, I, I just hope that he can be this team's Alex Smith, where he's the guy who sets it up for the guy. 
and that's uh and that's why i would argue and again i know i, I keep kind of dragging this out but okay. that's but that's that's one of the reasons why i do i am glad if they are planning to keep him to draft a rookie why i'm glad they didn't trade him because having an in, an incumbent who's the bridge i think has more value even if the coaching staff flips just because in the locker room, everybody else knows they went to war with this guy. Like they went to, they battled through a season with Bridgewater. They know who he is. They, they, they've been in meetings with him. And I think that that has some weight. Whereas if you were to like, let him go into the market and then tr- sign, you know, Mitch Trubisky to start for two games before you're playing a rookie. Like we wa- we're watching what happened with that, with the bears, like from the jump, everybody said, Justin Fields should be starting over him. Bridgewater, if the Broncos draft, like say, I'm going to keep saying Malik Willis because that's a good example, I think. But if the Broncos mm-hmm. say draft a Malik Willis, there's going to be a huge segment of the fan base that's going to want Willis to start out the gate. But the locker room won't care because they have mm-hmm. already had a year where they know that Bridgewater can kind of come through for them in moments. And I think that's mm-hmm. valuable because it gi- it gives your rookie a little bit of time and it gives your, your start a little bit of clout to be like, this is how we do this. This is how... So when Peyton was saying in his press conference after the trade deadline that like he's trying to lay a foundation, I think that's kind of a big part of it is like you're mm-hmm. kind of trying to see even though the Broncos probably aren't going to make a Super Bowl this year, the Broncos are trying to figure out who are our real building block guys. And I know we do this each year when the Broncos are bad, but the Broncos are trying to compete for a playoff spot while doing that. And I think that's that has a lot of value. The one concern I have with Bridgewater is if he is the best quarterback on next year's markets, like how much is that going to cost? Because yeah. he's not a guy you should give up so much money that you can't afford Sutton. Or you shouldn't give him so much money that you can't keep all the supporting cast around him. So that is kind of something that we're going to have to watch for. But in the meantime, they have the Eagles and they should kick their ass. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, well, uh, I'm happy the Broncos got this win against Dallas because we can delay the constant talk of draft, which I do like. I mean, I, I really do like, but... Uh, having to have the same conversation about quarterbacks in the draft every single year can be a little exhausting. Um, so it's fun to be looking at, Hey, what's going on here? How can we build on this while still having the ample flexibility in the off season to continue to improve this team? I mean, second most cap space in football, uh, a lot of picks, not an extra first round pick. You know, uh, what can you do? But three top 100 picks should be good. Um, so, or excuse me, five top 100 picks should be great. Uh, but you know, it's exciting times in mile high. I know that, uh, you know, it can be a little bit uh, car tankerous. Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, for the the quarterback stuff here um, with Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, I mean, I just got to say this is a little PSA. Um, if a vast majority of the data is not lining up with uh, what you think you're looking at, maybe you don't know exactly what you're looking at. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, Broncos team, hopefully they can continue to win football games and ex- exercise the formula that's working. Good defense, getting out the quarterback, rushing the football, and uh, shortening these games great and again uh thank you so much for hopping on guys again if you do not follow nick on twitter go do it he is at nick kendall mhh go read his stuff go follow him on twitter yeah go broncos go broncos